New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, this is Ben Curtis, campus pastor at New Vision Buchanan. Thanks for joining us on this episode of our Journey Through Scripture. Today I'm going to be reading Genesis 38 from the New International Version. Hey, I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer. This text that we're about to read contains some very mature content. And even though Moses handles this story as delicately as possible, I just need to warn you, this is one of those PG-13 passages. And I mean like 1980s PG-13. So you're definitely going to want to preview this one before deciding maybe to sit around the dinner table and listen to it with your children. But I also want to remind us that this is still God's Word. And, you know, anytime God chooses to include these kinds of events in Scripture, there's always a reason. There's always a redemptive purpose. So we're going to pick up reading in chapter 38, Genesis 38, verse 1. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Abdullam named Hira. There Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who was named Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth still to another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kezib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death also. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may die too, just like his brother's. So Tamar went to live in her father's household. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah to the men who were shearing his sheep, and his friend Hira the Abdullamite went with him. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she thought that, though Sheila had now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you? She asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. 
So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Abdullamite, in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, Where is the shrine prostitute who is beside the road at Enium? There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said, There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, Let her keep what she has, or we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but you didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law, Tamar, is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, Bring her out and have her burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, See if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son Sheila. And he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, This one came out first. But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out. And she said, So this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out and he was named Zerah. At first glance, this story seems totally unrelated to the story of Joseph. But Moses placed it here for a reason. We left Joseph last time in the hands of slave traders who have now sold him into captivity in Egypt. And suddenly now in Genesis 38, the scene cuts away to the life of Judah, Joseph's half-brother. In fact, Judah was the one who suggested that Joseph be sold as a slave in the previous chapter. And so now it's kind of like we're, it's like a, a meanwhile back at home kind of thing. We're shifting the scene from Joseph to what is life like going on with Joseph's family back at home. Verses 1 through 11, what we find out is that trouble is coming. And we see Judah going and, and marrying a Canaanite wife. This would be the New Testament equivalent like of a believer marrying an unbeliever. And I would just say this to, to those of you who are considering marriage. You know, who you marry is one of the most important decisions you'll make because that one flesh relationship can either lead you toward God or away from God. So as we continue reading, Judah and his wife have three sons, um, Ur, Onan, and Shelah. And after arranging for his oldest son, Ur, to be married, we're immediately told, just really brief and abrupt, that Ur was evil and that God put him to death. It's very matter-of-fact. In that culture, since he left behind a widow, there was a practice called leveret marriage. Y'all, maybe you've read the book of Ruth, so you may be familiar with with, uh, this sort of thing. Um, If a man died and his wife had not given birth to a son to be his heir, then his brother had the responsibility to marry her and to provide a male child to be the heir to his line. Now, we don't do that in, in our culture, and you know, it sounds kind of weird, but this was perfectly acceptable uh, in that day. 
And here's the problem in this story as it unfolds. There's a crisis because Onan, the, the one who is now responsible to do this, he doesn't want to do this because the reality is he stands to profit from his brother's inheritance. And so because of his own selfishness, we're told again that, that God puts Onan to death as well. So now you have Judah. He's lost two sons, both of them connected to Tamar. And Judah, at this point, maybe he's a little bit superstitious. You know, this woman must be cursed, and I sure don't want to give my last son, Sheila, to her. I don't want him anywhere near her. So basically, he asked her to go back and to live with her father for a while. And then when Sheila comes of age, you know, we'll make arrangements, and you all can be married then, uh, except he doesn't really do that. So basically, Judah puts her off. And in verses 12 through 26, Tamar, she comes up with a scheme of her own. You know, she was the wife of Judah's firstborn. And so she had the right to be the mother of the heir to Judah. In Canaanite culture, you know, this is where Judah is living. This is where he's, he's married into this culture. It's a pagan culture. And so during this time of year, we're told this uh, detail that it was t- the time of sheep shearing. And this was basically, you know, this is like the spiritual Mardi, Mardi Gras of, of the day. Uh, they would call on the gods to make their crops fruitful. And oftentimes they would engage uh, sexually with temple prostitutes So Tamar takes advantage of that and poses as a temple prostitute. Judah, you know, he's still grieving over his wife, but but then he engages in adultery with this woman that he doesn't recognize. He doesn't realize that it's his own daughter-in-law. Judah has been sucked into the Canaanite culture and, and the value system. You know, I think there's an incredible warning here. If you share your life with those who don't share your faith, you're putting yourself right where Judah put himself, and that is a spiritual a position of spiritual compromise. So why did Moses include this chapter? You know, it's kind of strange that this is like right in the middle of the, of the Joseph narrative. So why is this here? Well, I think it's here to show us that the grace of God shines the brightest against the backdrop of sin. The immorality of Judah and Tamar on the one hand in chapter 38 stand in real sharp contrast to the integrity of Joseph that we're about to read about uh, next time in in chapter 39. So this family is a mess, but here's the good news. God is not finished with Judah. And you know, the beautiful thing, the really beautiful thing about God's grace in this chapter is not ultimately revealed until Matthew chapter 1 verse 3. It's there that we learn that Tamar and her son Perez, uh, born through this sordid affair, uh, are actually included in the genealogy of Jesus. Judah and Tamar were living for themselves. They were living for pleasure. They were living in a condition of compromise. And yet, God used them to produce the ancestor of the Messiah. Perez, who has Canaanite blood in his veins becomes a far-off grandfather of Christ, the Savior of the world. How cool is that? God loves to bring blessing from curse and to redeem that which is broken and bring it into the realm of His blessing and grace. Aren't you glad that God works through messed up families? Well, friends, that's all for today. Don't forget to join us next time as we pick up with Genesis chapter 39. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.